Hey, everybody, and welcome to Generations Church Podcast, a podcast about everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. My name's John. I'm the engagement pastor here, and I'm sitting here with our lead pastor, Kyle. Yeah. And so this week, we just continue to go through our teaching series called Known as we go through Colossians chapter one. And today we're going to have some discussion because Kyle, this weekend, you were really into your imagery, metaphors, everything. You pulled out a poem this weekend. I did. Um, it was, was a stretch for me. I'm not good at poetry. I know. Did not but, imagine you to be a poetry kind of I guy. Know, no, not, not poetry. But here, John, the real question is, is after you get married, do you stop being the engagement pastor? That's the real question. Oh, man, you got to determine my job title or something. I know, now. right? No, but this weekend, Kyle, <laughs> you brought up this illustration of the road not taken poem. You used a lot of stuff talking about um, a compass, this true north direction, these choices, these paths in life. And really, you kind of took all of that and you really kind of circled it down to this conversation of every day, Daily direction towards Christ likeness. Kyle, as we kind of discuss this, what does this look like when you have this discussion of our choices, the roads taken, these different paths heading true north and every day of following Jesus? Yeah, so it starts with a daily direction. So it means the you, your orientation has to be faced towards Jesus. And so we can we can have a lot of things that determine how we make decisions, how we, that influence choices. The idea is that first and foremost, when our feet hit the floor, we have our mind and our eyes fixed on Jesus and being like him throughout our day. And in order to do that and do that well, we have to be informed. We have to know what is influencing our decisions, what type of just mechanisms and tools we have at our disposal so that we can make better and better choices to exhibit this orientation, this front-facing way towards becoming like Jesus. And we can ask the question, so if Jesus were in your shoes today, how might he live your day? Or if Jesus were in your shoes uh, what what might he do the same, and what might he do differently? And now that's a very big WWJD. and and that that's been a cliche that's been thrown around a long time. But in order to figure out what would Jesus do, we have to go back and look at what Jesus actually did do. What are the things he said, and what are the things that he did? So, what are his character? And what are his priorities? And so are our character and priorities. Are we being intentional? Is are we are we being informed correctly so that our character and priorities can be that of Jesus's if he were in our shoes? And so the paradox as we sort through this, and I don't know if it's quite a paradox, it's maybe in a way, is what comes first, the, the chicken or the egg is. Is it because we have the Holy Spirit and because we've given our life for Jesus that be, that we, we're being shaped? Or is there a level of discipline that we have to put forward so that we can become more Christ-like? And in actuality, they work in tandem. Uh, here's another imagery is as the Holy Spirit works in our life 
And as we discipline ourselves and we look at our days and our schedule and we say, okay, we're, we're going to be make intentional Christ-like choices, really they meet off in the distance like two sides of a railroad track mm-hmm. that eventually converge is they're heading in the same path, the same direction. And when they head off into that horizon, you can't tell exactly where they meet. You don't know where they meet, uh-huh. but you know it looks like in the distance on the horizon, those two railroad tracks uh, they they come together, and so what we can identify, and what we can answer, and what we can evaluate is to see that how we do make our decisions communicate what we're actually filled with. Mm. And so let, let me say that again: how we make decisions communicate what we are filled with. So if we are filled with Jesus, and we are facing towards Jesus, and we're becoming more like Christ. The process in which we will make decisions, the grid through which we filter those choices, will become one more and more Christ-like, but we will go towards um, the sources that Jesus used in his life to both make his decisions, the, the sources that he pointed his disciples to as they make their decisions. And so th- those are the word. Jesus knew his Bible, knew his scripture. He pointed his disciples to that. That's prayer, time with God. That's his reliance on the Holy Spirit. Are we acting and listening to the Holy Spirit throughout our day if we're baptized believers and following Jesus? And are we spending time with other people so that we can hear their perspective? Because if they've got the Holy Spirit inside of them, Mm -hmm. if they're reading their Bible, if they're connecting (laughs) with God, then they will be able to give us good wisdom and knowledge as we have a perspective on our life and as we make our choices. And they see our life and our choice and our perspectives from a different point of view, from a different set of two shoes and maybe see something a little bit different. It's if imagine John right here in front of us once again is there's like a Pepsi can in front of us. And one side, I'm going to see something of the Pepsi can. Maybe I see the logo on mm-hmm. the other side. You see uh, the calorie count and all that stuff. <laughs> we're, we're both looking at the Pepsi can. But when we start to describe to each other what we're seeing, we're, you're seeing numbers and letters, and I'm seeing a big white, red, and blue <laughs> logo in the word Pepsi. And I'm like, how did you get all this information? And we're looking at the same thing. And so the idea is the same, is that truth is out there. The, the way to become more like Jesus is out there because Jesus himself lived on this earth, yeah. walked showed us what it looks like to make choices, to walk in accordance with the Holy Spirit, to to know your Bible, to pray to the Father well, and to exist in the community. Yeah. We can we can learn some of that uh, from Jesus and have some of those priorities in our own life. So that that affects how we how we interact with people. It affects how we work in our workplace. Yeah. It affects uh, how we treat our kids, how we exist in our marriages mm-hmm. and interact with each other. You know, when, when, when you interact husband and wife, when, they're, when there's conflict. Mm-hmm. And so, or even when you're playing a card game and someone, you oh, know, yeah. just throws the thing out there that you did not want them to throw out there. Yes. And yes. Done with them. Oh, you yeah. can, yes. Yes. When, how to respond uh, with grace. 
and and and, and not and yes, grace and peace and maybe not <laughs> always be so competitive. Um, but you're, you're never competitive. I'm Kyle. never, never at all. Anybody who's listening to this podcast and knows me, you, we all can agree that I am clearly not competitive. Ruth I don't is the competitive want to win. one, right? Ruth is definitely more competitive than me. But that's actually that's actually pretty accurate. But I, I, <laughs> I will admit, I will confess, it's not fair for me to say that and not say I myself am actually very competitive and I don't like to lose, especially in card games or board games, <laughs> I, I can get very competitive there. But kind of bringing this back to where this whole series has been of this concept of known and how Jesus has made himself known to us and how in this we take our everyday decisions, we take our everyday lives, and we can almost kind of, kind of put them up next to what you said, Jesus's characteristics and his priorities. We kind of list those out. We identify who Jesus is, how he lived, how he acted, how he responded. And we look at our own lives and mm-hmm. we look at our characteristics, our priorities, how we act and interact with others. We begin to put them side by side and we begin to ask ourselves, where's your continuity? Where's your discontinuity? Mm. Are we tracking along this railroad track in what you're saying are we moving along with jesus and growing with him or are we kind of veering off to the side in moments when different things happen in our life you know and beginning to identify those moments yeah yeah and and the thing is is in walking with jesus and and asking some of these i don't want to say philosophical questions or you know, it, you know, if Jesus were in your shoes, as as you think about that, what it comes back to in a very, very practical sense is God has given each of us some life experience, a unique personality, uh, our, an upbringing, and what He wants to do is He wants to take what we do for work or employment, and He wants to say and to shape that. And and I made I said this line. In the sermon, I said that Paul didn't cease being a Jew. Rather, he reoriented his existing practices towards a Jesus lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And here, here's here's what I was getting at. Is so Paul was from Tarsus. Paul was raised in a, a very strict Jewish school. He you know he outlines in the scripture he's yeah. a Pharisee of Pharisees from the tri- tribe of Benjamin. So that's who Paul was. Is he he. In a time and a place, he was birthed into a community, and it was educated in such a way that when there were people who were who were attacking his credentials, what he could actually do is say, "Actually, I've been educated. I've been, I've got this knowledge. I've got this background. I'm upbringing, and that has informed my life. It has definitely shaped my life." But that's not the thing that I take pride in. And ultimately, that's not the thing that he would shape his decisions and actions through. What he would do is he would take that upbringing and he would shape that through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, as we've been talking about. Mm. So just in a very practical way, how Paul viewed his past sins. Because Paul thought that he was doing right in his past by persecuting Christians who were basically saying Jesus was God, and he would say, no, there's only one God, and that's that's Yahweh, and Jesus wasn't the Messiah, and when they were awaiting the Messiah. And so to keep 
pure the purity of Israel to keep that at the utmost. That's his upbringing. That's his direction. That's what he was taught. That was educated. As he realized in Jesus, no, Jesus was actually the fulfillment of those Old Testament prophecies. But what that means is for his past sins, that there's those aren't held account. He's not held accountable to them because of his faith in Jesus. Mm. Even those past sins, the things that he did wrong, that he thought he was doing right, when you redirect that through Jesus and what he did for us on the cross, what Paul realized is he was the recipient of unmerited favor, of Mm. a standing that he thought he had earned, but he realized that that's actually that actually wasn't the case and what he didn't earn anything it was given to him through his faith in Jesus and Paul uses this term righteousness so basically he's got this right standing before God because of Jesus it's not a right standing before God because of his past works but it's also not a wrong standing before God because of his past Crime, you know, he killed people. So don't let anything you've done in your past has not disqualified you from being viewed as perfect and being a part of God's family. And so that's that's the other side of this is Paul realizes his past wrongdoing doesn't exclude him from being seen right in the eyes of God. Yeah, it brings us back to this conversation we had not long ago of this, what is reconciliation? What is redemption? And what is this new hope in which we get to look forward to? Yeah, and and so Paul lived out of that. The results of that, the consequences of that, means Mm. that he could live with purpose, he could live with passion. He had this freedom, which means, and he also had this dependence upon God because he knew it wasn't yeah. him that was going to be able no, to accomplish it's not anything. His merits. It's not his past schooling yeah. education. It's not his standing in the world. Yeah. So you may be thinking, okay, how does this? How does this translate? How is this one? Quite a one for one. So Paul, uh, just again, he would go to synagogues. He would pray several times a day. He, he so those things of his Jewishness didn't leave him. The fact of where his upbringing was educated didn't leave him. Those didn't magically disappear (laughs) as he became a Christian. So let me bring this to my own story. So my upbringing, I I grew up in Ohio with two parents who were both in the military, West Point graduates, and they had a standard in our household and they trained certain things into into us. They... um, there was a level of expectation and competitiveness, which we joked about a second ago. That stuff doesn't automatically leave me of a desire to achieve, a desire to excel. Yeah. But what I have to do is for my own life and my own, as I determine what my, how I view achievement, how I view competitiveness, the choice that I'm faced is, Will I choose to win at all costs because I'm competitive? And that's what I was trained to do is achieve, do your best at all costs. Again, to do your best isn't isn't a bad thing of itself. But when it comes at the expense of do do I hurt someone else in the process? Mm. Is there a level of manipulation or lying? Is there a level of if I don't achieve what I think I should achieve – do I do I 
Am I, do I get worried or do I feel like God sees me any less and that I have to prove myself because my worth, my identity is not wrapped up in my achievement. It's not, it's not wrapped up in my two master's degrees. It's not wrapped up in, um, I'm the, I'm the oldest or that the fact that I'm a pastor, even something like that is my, my worth before God isn't contingent upon any of that. It's contingent upon my faith in Christ. And so when I make decisions, when I look at how I interact with Ruth, when I look at how I interact with my kids, what I have to constantly come back to is, are my characters and are my priorities filtered through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, mm-hmm. and how he sees me. And so, like, we joked about, you know, playing playing cards a little bit or playing a board game. Mm-hmm. And that's a very real, just very real situation where sometimes I have to wrestle. Do How's my interaction? How's my facial expressions? Not in that I have to artificially make them be something that they're not. But I got to remember that if if I lose this card game or I lose this board game, that doesn't make me a loser. Hmm. Um, just because something happens, that's not necessarily who I am. Who I am is a, is a child of God. Who I am is uh, seen through his eyes. And so take that to parenting. Uh, so if one of my kids makes a poor decision uh, and they do something that in a store right now, Avery screams every time we go into a store <laughs> and it's, and parenting through that just because it happens doesn't make me a bad dad or a bad father or a bad, you know, husband because, you know, I can't, because I get stressed out about that or embarrassed or, and, and what I, what I, what I have to come back to. And, and again, all of that comes from my upbringing of saying, Things got to be perfect. Things got to be right. They've mm. got to be neat and clean. Again, parents uh, with a military upbringing, some of you who are listening to that, okay, you, you can start to see some of those dots connect. All that that's within me doesn't uh, isn't magically erased or eliminated. Mm. But what I am learning to do, and that's why we talk about progress over perfection, mm. is what I'm learning to do is to say, okay, can I take a breath? God, who do you say that I am? Father, what's the right wisdom in this situation? Holy Spirit, can you help me give me the words to say? I need help because I'm very frustrated right now. Can you help me be gracious? Hmm. And that internal conversation in the moment, if I'm not filled with the wisdom of God, if I'm not asking him, then what might actually come out is is a more flesh-like natural reaction that's more contingent upon my own wisdom, my own selfishness, my own self-preservation, rather than God's best design for me to live in relationship with him mm-hmm. in that moment. Yeah. And hearing you talk about this, I think there's really two of our values that you begin to see a transition of a mindset of one where we begin, we've talked about this concept of story over sin and how God takes our past and he reorients it. He rewrites it. He reshapes us Mm -hmm. into what you're saying. 
of we come from a past. We everyone comes from somewhere different. Yes, we've all sinned and fallen short. Like it's happened. We've all done something, and when we come into this relationship with God, we begin to reorient ourselves and allow Him to reshape our lives. It's more about the story in which God is writing over mm. us than the past in which we have and we sometimes carry along with us. Yeah. But then we begin to see this transition in which you're kind of hitting on right here of this idea of spirit over self, of where we begin to take the priorities and the purposes of God and we put them ahead of ourselves mm. in our everyday life where we live, yes. work, and play, where we commune with our family and friends and how we begin to take those priorities and characteristics of Jesus and say, how do I orient my life around that mm-hmm. and allow God, the new story in which he's creating for me, be oriented around that? Yeah. And I think the question is, how, how do I know those purposes and those priorities that I should be seeing in my life as a follower of Jesus? And so, John, let me, let me ask you this. What are some ways, just very tangible ways, that come out as you as you think about how you're applying some of what we're talking about in your own life, whether it's spiritual disciplines or just your own daily routine or something like that? How, how do you discern or where do you find what is best for in or, well, in order to just make yeah. some decisions. No, um, I think that's a great question. In this whole concept, in this whole world, word we're throwing around in spiritual disciplines, really what we mean here is how are you growing in your spiritual walk with God? What things are you placing in your life? And sometimes disciplines gets a really bad connotation yeah. of, oh, we're disciplining ourselves. No, it's... I am intentionally orienting my life around Jesus and around my relationship with God because we see a relational God who has come to us and Mm -hmm. wants himself to be known, wants to redeem us and bring us back into that perfect creation in which he made us. He wants to give us that hope. Mm -hmm. And for me to orient my life around that relationship, like Kyle, we're not like our friendship didn't just develop because we met each other once. It was because when I was at KCU, we were there together. I probably spent an hour in your office every day. We had the running joke with Hannah of, oh, John's not answering his phone. I don't know where he is. Huh, he's probably in Kyle's Mm. office. Mm. We joke about that, but the relationship in which we have has grown because of the time we spend together. And so I kind of flipped that around of, what does it look like for me to spend time with God, intentional time in which I grow with Him? Mm. Because I won't have that relationship grow. I won't see those characteristics. I won't see those priorities unless I'm intentionally spending time. And yeah. so some really practical ways in which I structure some time for myself is setting aside some time just for me to read my Bible and to meditate on it. And when mm. I say meditate on it, I don't mean like the whole, like, shut out the room, like, hmm, like meditation thing. But what I mean by that is reading it and evaluating and reflecting upon it, not just mm. reading it to check off, oh, I read the scripture today. Yeah. But what does this mean? How does it relate to me? And how can I use this? And sometimes what I'll do is I'll take notes in like a little journal and stuff like that. Um, I'll write out some thoughts and just allow myself to process it over a day. Yeah. And honestly, just spend some time in prayer and say, God, what are you speaking to me yeah. out of this? Yeah. And really, my biggest encouragement is finding ways in which we can enter into that relationship where mm-hmm. we intentionally allow God to speak to us. 
and we intentionally seek after him. Yeah. Yeah. Because that time will begin to inform Mm -hmm. your decisions. So I think of this, and again, I think relationships, especially with uh, husbands and wives, make a great, just a great picture of it. So if I'm at the store and I'm picking up some different groceries, and let's say I come to the ice cream aisle, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at all the options for ice cream, and I'm trying to think of, hey, what, what should I take home? If I don't know that my wife likes, say, mint chocolate chip or cookies and cream mm-hmm. or we've been we've been doing just vanilla lately because we've been on this health kick and so so we're we, we just <laughs> well, guess it's vanilla well, yeah, yeah 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 so it's like so so you, so you're it's like okay we're just gonna get vanilla and or or just just think of something like it but because i know that we've talked about it i'm informed that that informs my decision of what what i'm gonna what type of ice cream i'm gonna take home yeah. or i mean like okay if i'm going to the store it may inform my decision i'm not gonna take home ice cream this mm-hmm. week and instead i'm going to choose healthier options like yeah. taking home uh bananas so we can make banana ice cream <laughs> instead of and freeze them instead of that no. I, but 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 that knowledge that relationship informs the decision I'm going to do. And so what we have to remember is when we're about to make a choice, have we spent some time with God reading his word, praying, mm-hmm. getting to know him, so that when we're about to make our choice, the Holy Spirit brings a verse from the Bible to our mind that says, oh, remember, be gracious here, mm-hmm. or or don't do this, yeah. or do this. Something that brings me back to is a some of the conversations me and Hannah have been having as we prepare to get married and talk about what it looks like to live every day together. Um, there's a book out there. It's called like five love languages. Mm. I didn't read it, but like I read enough to like the five you different concepts. Read it. You I haven't read, read it all the way through. We read the read concepts. This. We did the quiz on what we are and everything, but there's one of them that is, it's called quality time. Mm. And it's one of those things like, if those people who don't know what they are, it's what is it? Quality time, personal touch, uh, words of encouragement, words of affirmation. Um, gosh, it's like gift giving, gift and acts giving, of service. I'm and very, acts of I'm service. very there acts of service, go. and Hannah is very words of affirmation. We are the exact opposites, okay, in everything. But in the middle, we're both quality time. Mm. And one of the things that I quickly came to realize is that our definitions of quality time are very different. And for me, quality time could just be us sitting in the same room together. We could be watching a movie, not talking, and quality time for me. I could be sitting here in the room playing video game with a couple of my buddies. She could be painting. We're in the same room. Quality time to me. We're spending time together. Yeah. We're together. You're in proximity. For, for her, she's like, no, us having a conversation, us getting to know each other, is my quality time. Mm. And for us, we have to evaluate, are we spending quality time with God and not just time and check off the box? Like we, we spent that 30 minutes on our calendar with God, but is it a quality time where we are actively pursuing him and allowing him to pursue us? Well, I heard a statement that proves that quality time is present. In the sense of you brought up this love language, it, the statement is that obedience is God's love language. See, when you get to know God and you spend time with Him, the results will be 
walking with him. You'll mm-hmm. obey his will and his ways. That comes back to this idea of daily direction towards Christ likeness. Is you you will be obedient to what God wants you to do moment by moment when you're informed by quality time with him. And again, I'm not saying you're you're going to be perfect or you're going to get it right, but you know those moments if you've spent time with him when you're making a decision, you're going to have clarity. I was told, do not bring ice cream home. And when you actually bring ice cream home, that is not obedient. Like that is yeah. disobedience. That is a conscious decision to do something different. Now we do that both consciously and passively, actively and passively in our walk with God. There, there are times when we're, we actively make the right decision. Sometimes we passively are, are walking in obedience. And there are sometimes when we are just passively just in a state of disobedience and there are times where we're actively choosing to not be obedient. And what God wants for us is to consciously choose obedience. That Because that's what he wants for us. Because he knows when we're walking in obedience, mm. we're being fully human. We're not settling for something less yeah. than who God once sees, sees us to be, but also who he originally created us to be. We we Mm. get a walk in that perfect connection with him when we're in that state of obedience through Christ. Mm. It's just a beautiful thing because we talk about walking in God's will or knowing God's will. And ultimately it's being in a state of obedience because of time spent with him and being, when you make decisions, when you're informed, when, when you're choosing certain things, how you filter or how you make that decision determines are you spending quality time with him and mm-hmm. are you making an obedient decision or are you making a disobedient yeah. decision? And one of the things you mentioned this weekend is this idea of what it looks like to be filled, to be filled with God's knowledge, mm-hmm. to be filled with his wisdom, with his understanding, so that when we do navigate the world, as we go down and we have the different decisions to make, we have the different paths to go down, navigating what's north and moving around the obstacles and what you said, like the trees, the rivers, stuff's going to come up in our life. Yeah. That's not going to make an easy uh, movement north towards Jesus. And so how do we navigate some of that? And really, I think where we come back to is this conversation of for us to understand what obedience looks like, is for us to first seek what it is. And mm. for us to know what God's will is, we first have to seek it. Like, Absolutely. I mean, that, yeah. that, that's well put. Just, just flat out of God has made himself known to us. That's what this whole series has been about, mm-hmm. is it's not, he's not hidden himself from us. He's not trying to, to make like, okay, you, you've got to, you know, you've got to rub the lamp. You know, when, when you make your wish, like there's no, there's no magic passwords or, or secret rituals to, to, to do. And you got to, you know, jump on one leg three times (laughs) or, or something like that, or, or even say the right things. Like sometimes we find ourselves as Christians, you know, saying, saying blessed or praying for you. And we, we say these things because we're like, oh, that's what you're supposed to say. But what God actually has made it very clear is just do some of this stuff. You know, faith without works is dead. And so we have to get to know God through that quality time. And we have to put it into practice. The most 
simple way in which we do that is seeking his knowledge, and he gives it to us through reading our Bible. Yeah. And if you've caught a theme in these podcasts, <laughs> something we keep coming back to is, are you taking time to actually open up your Bible and read it for yourself? Because the other side of that secret, like passwords and secret knowledge and saying the right things is this idea that someone else has to give me the knowledge and I have to hear it from an expert or from an elitist. Mm. And actually, that's that's what the Colossians were, were facing is, did we miss out on all the information? And Paul is like, no, you you didn't miss out all the information. Mm. He's He's made it to you. And he's presented to you clearly in the gospel. And for us, it's those words of, of Jesus, his life, his character's priorities. And as we read the whole Bible, we're able to see, like, God will use his Holy Spirit so that as we read it, we can begin to self-reflect on our own life. Mm-hmm. Are there things that we learn from the characters that... Those weren't good decisions. That that's not a wise decision because of these consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, are there things that we not shouldn't only not do, but are there things we should do because we see that God delights when we do those things, or that we have a a fuller expression of humanity. There, there's blessings that come from that, and also because it communicates again the will of God and, and the ways of God when we do certain. Things. So when we're compassionate, or we, we've been talking about a lot of these service opportunities coming back, the, the reason why we're given, we're generous, is because we're the recipients of generosity through Jesus laying down his life for us. And so it's not some complex puzzle. It's the idea of come back, read your Bible. God, can you help me understand this? And just some basic critical reading skills to say, okay, this Bible's going to illuminate some things, some flaws in my own life, mm. and also some things that I shouldn't do, and which means there are some things that we should do in a positive, positive sense yeah. as well. And so the idea that the Bible can only be understood by a select few is completely false. The idea that in many ways that you need me to or us to explain it to you mm-hmm. That's that's not true. There, there is wisdom that comes mm-hmm. from communicating about it. That's where yeah. we come back to that community aspect of you. We need other people to to see the different sides of the yeah. of the Pepsi can. But but for us to say nope, we're the gatekeeper for mm-hmm. what what is being seen. Yeah, that that that's that's an inaccurate perception, yeah. and that's why we orient our community groups more around a discussion of what we talk about on Sunday and discussion of how that applies to our life of diving into the passage and let's discuss this together and how it relates to us and not just this is another time to teach mm-hmm. someone something. It's more of a, I like, there's a word Paul uses in some of his other um, books that he wrote, this concept of edification, mm. of what does it mean to edify someone. It really, what it comes around to is the church coming together, the people who make up the church, the body, the members, the people who are part of it, and they're encouraging and pushing one another to grow in their own faith. So kind of what Kyle was talking about earlier with the whole Pepsi can thing is that Kyle is going to notice blind spots in my life. Yes, I'm going to notice blind spots in his life, and I can encourage him and push him further in his faith 
because we have that honest conversation. We have that truth. We have that, um, just that relationship to where we can speak to each other and say, Mm -hmm. Hey John, have you tried this? What about this going on here? And I go, wow, I never thought of that. I haven't even noticed that. I haven't been paying attention to that because I'm so fixated on this over here that Kyle notices something else going on. And we're not going to notice everything. We're finite beings. We're, we're, right now, we're sitting in 2019 in a fixed place in Vancouver, Washington. We're not all, all places of all times. Mm. And so with the, the seeking of God's truth through his word, we can learn and help each other to be able to apply it in this time, in this place. And so we can be filled when we both seek and discipline ourselves to get quality time with God, and then also allow Him to fill us through His Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and insight and understanding as we make the choices moment by moment, but also through the wisdom of other people who are taking the time to read God's Word, to seek Him, and who have the Holy Spirit inside of Him. Because, again, our Holy Spirit inside of us, the Holy Spirit inside of us, is our connection with God. Mm-hmm. So how we make decisions communicate what we are filled with. We want to be filled with Jesus. So let's make sure that in the how we make decisions piece, that we are filtering it through Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Please subscribe. Also, we'd love for you to share this podcast and our other social media with your family and friends. This will be a great way to hear our weekly teaching and additional conversations we're having around Generations Church. Thanks for joining us.